much more likely they're going to give it to you for free, but they're going to extract from you something that's super valuable, which is your privacy and, and your behavior on the web. I'm Rudy Dogum, and this is Wholesome Crypto. Here, I speak with crypto experts, influencers, and entrepreneurs to find out what personally led them to the path of cryptocurrency. Today's guest is Thomas J. Rush, founder of TrueBlocks, an open source tool where you can index and explore the Ethereum blockchain from your local machine. Welcome, Thomas J. Rush, to the Wholesome Crypto Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Sure. Yeah, and for everyone that doesn't that doesn't know Thomas J. Rush, people call him Jay, so we're referring for you that. But he is the co-founder of TrueBlocks, and that is having the Ethereum blockchain on your computer, where you can actually sort through it and look through it without all of that lag and burden, and kind of like a quick way to view it without using some other third-party source. <laughs> Um, so Jay, you've been into the crypto scene for a long time. You've been heavy in Ethereum. You have been writing articles and educating people more on like the protocol level, things that a lot of developers like to know and people like me that do not develop, but are just interested in the tech value a lot. So thank you so much for educating us and sure. sharing your knowledge. Before you even heard about crypto, before you even heard about Ethereum, you know, what were you doing? Where were you in life? I was teaching Poetry. Poetry. So yes. you always had a way with words? I suppose I did. I, <laughs> I, um, I, I was uh, prior to Ethereum, probably about seven years prior to Ethereum, I, I tried to become a writer. Mm -hmm. I thought I was going to be a novelist. And I learned that my stories were boring. I wasn't a good novelist, <laughs> but I loved words. And I really found out that I loved poetry. So I actually spent about seven years studying. I got a master's degree in poetry and I was teaching poetry and writing at a, a community college in my hometown, which is Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. I, I loved it. I thought it was the greatest thing in the world. And what and type of uh like genre were you into i love um i love uh like 18 early 1800s poetry i think is there's there was like six poets that were just amazing six wow. uh you know they're white men poets which is maybe appropriate being that i'm I, i'm a white man so i wasn't exactly reading broadly but i was mm. very into it so awesome. um, but i was i was in love with poetry for about seven years prior to that i was in love with furniture designing for about seven years diverse so because i just couldn't stand not i wanted i had to make furniture i had to build something with my hands mm -hmm. and then prior to that i was into the internet so i and then <laughs> since seven years i've been into crypto so i'm kind of a type of person who just digs yeah. deep into something, whatever I'm interested in. I just can't, I kind of stopped worrying about holding myself back from digging into what I'm interested in. Mm -hmm. so, um, so that's what, that's what I was doing the past 28 years. Wow. So were you always a little bit curious about tech? I mean, always. Okay. Always. So the internet was like amazing well, to you and interesting, or was that you know, I'm, I'm fairly older than most people in the space. So I was actually uh, very, very interested in desktop computers when they first came out, like in the early 1980s. Mm -hmm. And we had a desktop computer in my house. And I tell people that I every 10 years or something, I'm my head is on fire about some technology. So back in the 80s, I was running around telling everybody about desktop computing and how it's the most amazing thing in the world, right? And then 10 years later, I'm running around telling everybody about the internet. It's the most amazing thing in the world. And then I veered off into poetry. It's the most amazing thing in the world. 
Yeah. And then like seven years ago, I heard of, um, I was really into I, IOT stuff yeah. in late 2015. And if you read anything about um, IOT in 2015, you were definitely reading about crypto. Yeah. Um, and I just, my brain just went on fire for, for crypto in 2015. Um, did someone tell you about crypto or Bitcoin or did you kind of stumble upon it yourself uh, browsing the internet? Yeah, I had stumbled upon Bitcoin probably 2013 and I spent like one summer just reading everything about Bitcoin. And this was just prior to Bitcoin's first real uh, run up into like a thousand, I think it was around 800 or a thousand dollars or something. Oh, yeah. And I kept saying to myself, this is really interesting. I should buy. And then it went up to like 800. And like two days later, Mt. Gox happened. Yep. It went back down to like 100 or something. So oh, then, I'm, then I'm like, this is this doesn't make any sense. It's never going to work. And I just forgot about it completely. And then in 2015, late 2015, I, I first heard about Ethereum through IoT. Okay. And in particular, Slocket, which was um, this project that turned into the DAO. So it was just all so exciting back then. It was like so cool. And was it, so I guess, yeah, you're saying Bitcoin was interesting, but didn't really create any spark in you. Well, it, it did to the extent that I thought it was one of the most fascinating things I've ever heard of because mm -hmm. how fascinating is Bitcoin? It just, it you know, a piece of software creates money. I mean, yeah. it's like literally just the it's most job. It's just unbelievable. Right? <laughs> and then I had to, try to figure out like, how does that happen? What, what is that? I didn't understand anything. And I just read a lot, very skeptical of it because it didn't make sense. And then, mm -hmm. and then it crashed. And then I knew that my skepticism was right. Right. So then I kind of walked away from it for about two years, but being a software engineer, as soon as I saw Ethereum and you could write software on the chain, yeah. as soon as I saw that, I'm like, yeah, this is something really interesting. That's so, interesting. When did you start learning software development? 1982. So that was also part of you. So do you do you have any like link or draw between poetry and software development? You know what? I, I always wanted to write, always. Um, and I think that software, writing software is really revision. It's like you're constantly revising what, what you're writing. So to me, software and the act of writing are very similar because it's basically fingers on a keyboard, you know, brain putting yeah. thoughts into a keyboard, right? Making a puzzle, yeah. solving a puzzle. Yeah. So I kind of shifted from writing code every day to writing, you know, first novels every day and then poetry. And um, it wasn't really a very hard shift because it was really just writing every day. Mm. So, um, and I always loved words and I just, uh, I thought I was going to be a novelist and I just, I, 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 it's not that I wasn't good at writing. It was just that I wasn't interested in yeah. telling stories. I was more interested in the words. So Gotcha. And that's, that's awesome because yeah, in the in development, in the development world, it's a, a whole new language sort of like yeah. JavaScript, Python, whatever, HTML. So using your skills in poetry, definitely, I can see how it's very impactful in creating functions and variables that make sense yeah. most efficiently for what you need to create. They have to make it make sense. Yeah. yeah. So then now you're diving into Ethereum. You're seeing that, oh, now I can write right onto the blockchain, right, right into the space directly. That's the whole purpose of Ethereum is creating your own apps. Right. A, you know, kind of like a decentralized worldwide computer. Right. What was your uh, first uh, intuition? And this is the first like project that made you really get into this. It was absolutely the DAO. The DAO. With, uh, so I got into the DAO probably 
a month and a half before it went on sale. Mm-hmm. That was May of 2016. And, um, you know, it was just such a crazy thing because none of it made sense. None of the tools worked. <laughs> you know, everybody was speaking language that you just never heard. I hadn't heard before in my life, like, you know, um, public good and we're going to solve the prisoner's dilemma and game theory and all yeah. this, just these fascinating ideas. And um, then, you know, so I was in the DAO space. And I was like looking at the source code as it was being built. Um, I wrote this website that uh, I took each line of code and I kind of wrote what I thought it was doing. So I had like these two sides and one would have the code and one would have what I thought it was happening on the code and um, just totally into it. And um, then the, the, the sale happens, the DAO yeah. happens and it goes from like, it goes from like, People thinking we might raise a, a million or two million or five million or eight million to 60, 70, 150 million dollars. And everybody's like, what in the <laughs> world just happened? Right. Where's all this money coming from? It was unbelievable. And then, um, you know, the whole point of the DAO, at least from my perspective, was that it was a shared thing that everybody who wanted to could see what was happening on the on the mm-hmm. smart contract. But if you actually tried to look to see what was happening on the smart contract, you couldn't, you couldn't see anything. You, you couldn't get the data that you wanted because the tools were not there. So people were going to Etherscan. And to me, that was just like, I thought we were decentralized. Why is everybody going to a website? It just never made sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and even when you went to Etherscan back at that time, you couldn't really see very much. You could just see blocks and bytes and stuff like that. Yeah. The, the promise of the thing was that we'd have this shared access to this thing because then we could solve the prisoner's dilemma because part of the problem with the prisoner's dilemma is that you have to trust what's happening in, in, the, in the system. And by being able to see into the system with perfect clarity, you don't need to trust because you can just see it. Yeah. But nobody could really see it. So um, That's true. It, you're trusting Etherscan to have the correct information, which... Yeah, which was all the, you know, and that was all kind of built into what we thought, I thought we were building, which was a a perfectly clear way to see into stuff. And that's kind of when I started my project TrueBlox, because I wanted to say, well, look, I'm not interested in just another website or just another Web2 endeavor. I'm interested because I want to see what it actually looks like to decentralize the computing environment that we're working in. So I said to myself, I'm going to figure out how to run a node myself. I'm going to figure out how to put a node on my own machine. I'm going to figure out why it's so hard to see into the blockchain. I'm going to figure out how I can get what I want, which is my own behavior on the blockchain. And none of that stuff was available except by going to Etherscan or some other uh, third-party indexing solution. Mm -hmm. So that's where TrueBlocks kind of started right there. Um, nice. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing because um, all I use is Etherscan or similar <laughs> websites like that. I never, uh, yeah, never thought of, I mean, I, I knew the possibility of downloading the entire Ethereum blockchain onto my laptop or computer, but I also know it's a lot of data. I remember doing that for like Bitcoin wallets back in the day. You had to download the entire right. blockchain just to use a Bitcoin wallet. That's right. And yeah, and it was obviously annoying. So I'm curious, again, why people don't use nodes now is because either expensive to buy the hardware or expensive just to buy two terabytes of space. And not only that, it's a lot of technical burden for someone who's not yeah. uh, used yeah. to like building or developing. So what was your idea? Like, or how do I make this easy for people 
like me, like people who just aren't that familiar with all this? Well, I kind of um, ignored the fact that it was hard and, and a little bit expensive because I wanted to get there. I wanted to mm-hmm. like, oh, go yeah. there, you know, and see what it was like to build software out there. Right. Um, I remember back in the 90s, people would say, I'm going to watch YouTube or I'm going to watch I'm going to watch video. Yeah. You know, and we would try to watch video. It was like a ten thousandth of a second long video and it would take an hour to download or something. So um, I always just thought eventually I, I tell people that eventually blockchains will be installed in your operating system. They, they will come on your computer. Your computer will have 200 terabyte hard drives and 198 terabytes of your hard drive will be devoted to the blockchain and no and no one will care because we love the idea of this accessible visible data without a third party that's what i know it's crazy i can see on your face you think i'm a little crazy no i as a the reason i say say that is because in the 90s everybody would say you are insane if you think we're going to be watching video on on the internet Every mm-hmm. everyone would have said that. I, I love that. Like, that's what I want, actually. I want to fully own, have a fully decentralized application. I am for locally hosting, if I can, or at least everyone's hosting their own network and creating some type of mesh. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but it, it's, it's weird to me is because the world seems to love the idea of having almost nothing on their computers, mm-hmm. phones, just a keyboard and monitor. And all they got to do is plug in an Ethernet cord or just connect to wi-fi then the whole entire lives are are there for them almost instantly now like, you see but the problem that you're going to have there if you do that is that somebody else has that data yeah Google. And if, you, if you want it you know they're either going to be nice and just give it to you for free or more much more likely they're going to give it to you for free but they're going to extract from you something that's super valuable which is your privacy and, and your behavior on the web Mm-hmm. So we make this trade-off all the time. If every time I click on anything, twenty different companies know exactly what I clicked on, and they probably even know why I clicked on it. Right? Yep. Um, and that's the cost of not having privacy. And and you talked to Lefteris a couple uh, shows mm-hmm. ago. He said he's totally into this idea too. It's like you, if you want to be private, you kind of have to be private. Oh, yeah. I love what he's building, too, because same thing like you. It's finally an accounting solution or right? a portfolio manager. That's his, his app is Rotsky app. Right. Completely, completely open source, private, locally. Everything is locally based on your machine. He doesn't even know what's going on. So it's hard for him to troubleshoot sometimes. But that's the whole point of it. It's, right. It's because yours. You know, why, why do, would anyone want to have anyone look at their finances? Why? why? It's none of their business. It's a terrible idea to share it. Yep. Having said all that, we also want to have these things like the DAO or something where we all join in together and we all know what everyone's doing. So you have this sort of two-sided thing. One is you want to be private. Mm-hmm. You want to be so public that everybody can see everybody else. And I think you have to kind of handle both of those cases. And um if we don't have our own data, we can't even make the choice to stay private. We don't even have the possibility if the data is somewhere else. And was the idea of like privacy as a whole something you've always, I guess, wanted for yourself, or did it kind of like like you, you know, kind of saw the internet come to life? So yeah. you were slowly starting to see these companies extract 
data from users was like, was well, like I, one day you woke up like oh shoot like all my data I, there. I remember i remember that when you know we first started building web servers in the mid you know the er, 1993 or 4 we, we were starting to build server applications by 97 or so people were saying hey look at these logs that we're putting here you know these logs are really interesting and everybody was so excited because we could see what our applications were doing through the logs yeah but then I remember reading scientific papers where people were, you know, studying human beings through the logs of a server. And everybody was, this is so fascinating. We have, we have social science. We can do social science like never before. And everybody was excited that we could see human beings behave. Yeah. Um, and that turned into a real shit show, really. Yeah. Now people are spooked I, out. And then I kind of lost, in, I kind of lost interest because the dream of this, beautiful internet where everybody shared information and everybody pub had a voice that could speak kind of died away and it became they're watching everything we do i don't know that i thought like that but it just lost its interest to me mm -hmm. then I, I wanted to build furniture basically <laughs> <laughs> i don't blame you sometimes i get that way too i'm like heavy into a project then all of a sudden it's just not going in the direction that I feel um, passionate about. And I'm like, all right, time to reorganize my thoughts somewhere else and then maybe come back to it at a later date. And then that's what happened when, when I saw Bitcoin because all of the dreams, all of the things that we thought we were building in the mid to early 90s, you know, shared information, everybody has a voice, was coming back in newer terms, but the same kind of ideas of the, you know, mm -hmm. this shared computing environment can be so much better than it than it is. So that's kind of the, one of the things that really lit me up when I first heard of Ethereum, because that's what everybody was talking about. Right yeah. And yeah, today they're still talking about it. Yeah. Ethereum definitely had an amazing history too. Like yeah. it just remember during their, uh, during like the, the fork between Ethereum classic and Ethereum, that was, and that whole thing was crazy. That was wild. And I, I feel like people always forget not forget that but like we're still in such a development phase of everything in the whole blockchain crypto industry and as it grows more and more is almost less and less forgiveness of the idea that human beings are building this yeah but i mean yeah ethereum is has shown a lot of strength now especially compared to other yeah and that that whole thing when when the when the uh you know because it was like this 150 million dollar sale by the end of may and then and now we have this voting platform, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody's so excited about voting, you know, putting up proposals. I studied every proposal. I'm, I, you know, I'm like watching what's happening, trying to figure out what's going on. And um, then it gets hacked. And then everybody's like, oh my God, what's going on? And then it, and I was sort of not knowledgeable enough to really know what a fork meant, right? Mm -hmm. And so a fork happens and all of a sudden I have two coins on two different things. Okay. And I have twice as many coins as I had before. Right. And what, and the, the ones, the, the price or the activity or price or number of blocks per second or something started, um, diverging and the ETC kind of went down, mm -hmm. but then it started coming back up in price. And then everybody's like, holy shit, you know, it's like, <laughs> like insane. You know, because I had twice as much money. I, the price fell almost in half mm -hmm. like the day that the hack happened. And then the price on both sides were, was somewhat equal for a little while. So it was like, but just that whole idea of, first of all, just money on a computer, on a, 
on a thing where there, it wasn't from a government or a bank or something like that. And then two monies on a computer <laughs> 10 seconds later, you know? Yeah. And mind blowing. It was mind blowing. It is. And it's just, it is mind blowing. And, but it always goes down to like, what is money? And it's just whatever people value it, right. whatever people want to value it as. And the but stri- how weird, how weird is it that some people just wrote a piece of software and they taught us that that's what money is. It's just an agreement among people that we, this is a good thing. We like this. Yep. And I'm always forever grateful for that in the crypto industry with Bitcoin, Ethereum. They really taught me lessons that school never taught me. Like I never learned this in school. I never learned this anywhere, but understanding what money is and like even like the legal um, like amendments and whatever, like what how money was all started and like or 1971, how that all happened with Nixon and what happened to the gold standard. It's crazy. And then like also like how you're saying game theory and the prison theory, like all these different psychological, emotional, monetary ideas have come to life and understanding to like a lot of people that would have never otherwise looked into it. But you know, it came in an engineering way. Like mm-hmm. people wrote lines of code that touched those really human things like emotion and belonging and trusting and all those things that you would never think a, a piece of software could touch. Right? Yep. And that's what's so crazy is that I think it's one of the, I think Bitcoin is like one of the great ideas in human history, not like not in the last 30 years or something like that. I'm talking about the last 500 years. I think it's one of the most amazing ideas. So, um, you know, how can you not get excited about that? I know. And we're definitely heading towards that global decentralized monetary system. It's just I actually think we're headed exactly the opposite. We're headed into you know ten people owning all the money in the world. But all the crypto in the world or all the what what do you what do you mean by money? <laughs> well first of all, yeah, it'll all be crypto. I'm I'm a I'm a I say things that are kind of ridiculous sometimes, but I kinda of like doing that. So I do it. I like hearing it and I like most likely you'd be surprised how many people probably agree with you, but Yeah. All, all money will be crypto. And then, you know, 40 people will figure out a way to get it all in their own wallet. And some somehow they'll just figure it out. And then we'll all be complaining and saying, we need to change the world. And then we'll somebody will invent a brand new thing that will revolutionize everything and upset everything. So that's just how things work. But. That's kind of like history repeats itself, right? We're going to create something amazing to disrupt something old, yeah. love and it, grow it disrupted yeah. again yeah, right. it's a cycle and because people are kind of they like to have everything in a package and they don't really like to do it themselves they want to get somebody else to do it for them exactly that's kind of why it you know those people who are resourceful enough to actually do it for people they get the reward of doing it you know and then i think like you know i don't think people like um facebook or google kind of set out to become these massive you know influential groups of people i think it just kind of happened accidentally yeah you know? totally because yeah google i'm sure google's like let's make a search engine but i'm i don't think they were thinking about let's yeah. own half the world's smartphone industry right, right and let's let's be able to influence everybody with a simple change of an algorithm or something like that. <laughs> and shoot satellites in the sky so we have gps with everybody it's like they weren't right. they were that's amazing prediction but no, i don't think they were <laughs> yeah they're more amazing than i thought they were <laughs> but that makes yeah. sense because what you're saying is like like um exchanges centralized exchanges that's the perfect example of how that entity can own or 40 exchanges can own the world's money that's just right. by providing a service that's right 
and, and we go there because we don't take the time to think about what the implication of going there is. Right? Mm-hmm. And then what happens, and you saw this happen with like search engines, is because some are better than others. You know, nobody wants to use the second or third or fourth best one. They they want to use the best one because it's better. And then it gets more. It gets better the more and more people use it. Mm-hmm. You know, because there's more searches, there's better data coming in, so they can provide better results. All of that feeds into a massive Google that owns, that runs the blockchain. Let's say there's a Google that runs the blockchain. That's terrible. It's a horrible future. Well, that's kind of like almost like a ledger too, like our ledger wallets or like Tezzer wallets. Yeah, they're they're hardware wallets with cryptocurrencies that we will forever own in our possession. But if you use like the ledger live manager on your computer or the Tezzer manager on your computer, something like that, or MetaMask, they're watching everything you're doing. It seems that they probably are. If they aren't now, they will be a couple of generations from now. Mm-hmm. So like you might own it, but it's also being watched. And that's the whole idea, which is like, how do we protect ourselves from people's eyes? And that's why what you're building with Truebox is super useful. Yeah, no, I mean, that's kind of what I wanted to do. It's like, you know, it's so easy just to build something that I think falls back down into the old way of of uh, doing web. So just get rid of that completely and just see what happens when you build pieces of software that's not on the web. There's actually some really interesting things that happen. So for example, if you are running your own, you asked before about why people don't run nodes. Mm-hmm. So one of the reasons I think is, first of all, it is a little bit difficult to stand it up. You have to get a certain size of a hard drive and you have to devote a machine to it kind of. Um, so it's a little bit of a pain in the ass there. But then even if you do run your own node, I think that the way you query the node is inadequate. I think it was built. I tell people that the people that are writing the node software are very interested in making sure that the node stays synchronized with the network because that's its first task. But the RPC is its second task and you have to query if you want to get data from a node, you query through an RPC interface. And I think that's really inadequate, the RPC interface. So even if you do run your own node, you can't really get useful, good data from the node because the querying sucks. Okay. So what we did is we said, why does the query suck? You know, what sucks about the querying? And I think it's that there's no index. Mm. And that's why we needed to build an index so that we could do really nice queries for my account or for your account or for some set of accounts that we want to look at. You can do that with the RPC, but it's not easy. So I guess for our listeners, can you give a quick explanation of like how Trueblocks, what Trueblocks is and what the difference is by having that in your node versus... So it's a piece, so your node, the node software runs continually Mm -hmm. and every 15 seconds it finds a block and it writes the block to a database and trueblocks does a similar thing it runs continually and it asks for new blocks as soon as they come and it takes each new block and it looks at every possible place in the block and there's about 30 different places for addresses in the data and we just scan we go you know from the block we go to all the transit all the transactions from the transactions we go to all the receipts, then we go to all the traces. We go basically everywhere we can possibly go in a block to find addresses. And now we have a list of addresses in that block and we write that to a database basically. So we have an index. So when we say later, show me every place on the chain where J Rush's address ever appeared, we can find that really quickly. Wow. And then we can query the blockchain again 
but we query for very specific things. We're asking for this transaction and then we skip ahead seven weeks and we get another transaction. We skip ahead 10 weeks and we get another transaction. And now we can do what I call a reconciliation, which means I know what my balance is at the beginning of a block. And I think I know what the transaction should have done to my account balance for tokens or for NFTs or anything like that. And then I check at the end of the block. So I check at the beginning. I know what transactions happened. I simulate those transactions to the end. And then I check at the end and then I call that reconciled. And what that shows me is that I know every transaction on my account um, because I've reconciled every transaction on my account. Yeah. It's just like it's just like a bank reconciliation, exactly like that. And um, if you go to any of these third-party sites that um, say they're going to do your taxes or do your accounting for you, yep. it doesn't balance the accounts. It doesn't. <laughs> like, and that's just, it's literally beyond insane to me that we have an 18 decimal place accurate ledger that comes to perfect balance on um, 170 million accounts every 14 seconds. And you cannot get a balanced reconciliation. It just, it's insane. <laughs> so that's kind of what TrueBlocks lets you do because we look at every block, because we um, index it. And we do a couple of things kind of crazily. We dig really, really, really deeply into the block data and we get what we what we call every appearance of every address. Wow. So, but then we had another problem. Now we had a, like a totally different problem. We have this really excellent index. Um, and now we want to say to people, it would be great for us to give you this index. We want to give it to you. And they say, oh, that's so interesting. I totally want that. And we say, okay, first get a two terabyte hard drive, get a new machine, run your own node. And yep. six months later, you're synchronized and then we'll give you software. So it's just a nightmare. And the alternative would be to put that index up on a website and deliver it like a third party. But now we're just a third party, just like every other. So we did something else where we, we tried to use IPFS mm -hmm. to deliver this data um, and then publish the location on IPFS where people can go to get the data. And we, we publish into a smart contract that we call Unchained Index. And we do that about once a week. Okay. And what people can do is they can read that location on IPFS and download the entire index themselves without having to build it themselves. Wow. Um, and then they can do a query and get the list of all the transactions that they were ever in and then they can go to infura or something like that to get the actual data that's wild and um that's why lefteris is kind of interested in our work because you know he he um wants to balance and reconcile and because there's no good place to query where you can actually get reconciled transactions he has to kind of have holes in his data when he's when he's done so he's really interested in our work um, and we're totally interested in his work as well because he gets us a, a nice interface and it looks nice. And it, yeah. you know, it's definitely does. a good matchup. Yeah. So we're constantly talking to each other. <laughs> we can't, we can't quite figure out how to dance together yet, but we're working on it. I have faith. <laughs> so being in this crypto industry for, you know, for like seven years or more and working for working on true blocks and developing your business, developing on this. What do you do for fun? I mean, crypto is a 24-7 industry. It's constantly bombarding you. How do you like, how do you keep your uh, mind off of crypto if you want to? I never want to. <laughs> I swear to God. I swear to God. I never want to. That's amazing. Most I, wake, I wake up every morning. I'm like 5.30 in the morning. I'm like, why do we like program? Kind of insane. 
<laughs> like out of control a little bit. You know what I was saying before is I don't I don't stop myself from being in love with what I'm doing. You know, mm-hmm. it's my favorite thing to do is to see a beautiful chart that I drew or something like that. You know what I mean? That's awesome. I mean, it's... I was the same way with I was the same way with furniture. I was the same way with poetry. I'm just like I. I long ago gave up the idea that I'm going to be like normal. <laughs> I don't even care anymore, right? It's not health. I'm not saying it's healthy. <laughs> it sounds healthy. I feel like you're, you know, doing what you love. That makes, yeah, makes not, you happy. It's not, like I'm ever, it's not like I'm ever complaining about what I'm doing. I love it. I love that's, it. I think that's hard for most people to say because I feel like actually my love for like learning about new tech or like, you know, just diving deep into whatever I'm doing was lost during college. Like yeah. I just, college kind of like just, made me feel like you should just yeah. get a degree and yeah that's right do your thing and not yeah. i tried that actually i tried that like in uh, when I, I graduated from college in 86 and um, i was doing something that was just not interesting and i did it for about eight years and i just couldn't i couldn't even like i couldn't even get out of bed to go to work kind of you yeah know? and but and what was happening to me is i was on the weekends or something like that i'd go to the library back then you didn't have the internet even. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm serious. And I would read about computer science because I just found it fascinating and I wanted to understand computer science on the weekend. That's what I would do for fun on the weekend. And then I'd have to get up and go to work all week. <laughs> just like, I can't do this anymore. You know? That's how I felt too. Was... You got to just dive off and hope for the best. You know? I totally agree. I feel like now is a time in my life where I'm feeling like I'm starting to feel that fire, you know, yeah. just keep going for crypto and you see like what I like, what I like doing yeah. this podcast. So it's a lot of fun for me too. And I definitely yeah. feel that. So now that you love crypto so much and you're in it, but I would like to know what is your crypto pet peeve? Third party websites are just nuts to me. It just makes no sense to me. That, and, and also that it doesn't balance when I, mm. that just is so crazy. I can't imagine that we, that we don't pay attention to the fact that we have this thing that doesn't balance. It's just weird. I didn't even I, I didn't even know that was an issue until you told me about it. So it's like also part of the thing is like I just I, I paid I paid like I mean I paid like two hundred dollars for a website that was going to tell me all of my transactions for my taxes, right? Mm-hmm. And I downloaded all this stuff and I was looking at what they were telling me. And I have TrueBlock, so I can get my own list and see what I tell myself. And it was they they were missing probably. 25% of all the things that happened on my wallet, they weren't telling me about. And then I was looking at what they were saying as far as gains and losses on my transactions. They missed the biggest transaction by tenfold. Like I have, I have like all these transactions and then one was like this amazing lucky break. Kind mm-hmm. of, and they missed that one completely. It wasn't even in the list. And I was like, <laughs> it, it, doesn't make, yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me. So. That's my pet peeve is that we're so careless about it. Yeah, that makes sense because, yeah, for me, it's like I feel like I have to make sure I manually look at my transactions because. Yeah, why? That's it's, ridiculous. It's the, only, it? it's the only way. Thankfully, I just, I'm not much of, I don't do much because I just can't afford much, but like, yeah, I just enjoy you know, dabbling in whatever I can and at whatever times. But like, yeah, it's just like, what am I, yeah, what am I looking why? at? <laughs> Why do you have to do it manually? <laughs> like, I, have to, I have to take out my piece of paper and a pencil and I have to like add it on paper. It's like it's like we're back in the uh, checks and balances, like handwritten <laughs> checkbooks yeah. to make sure everything is going according to plan. You have to make sure you're matching up with the bank so they don't mess up. That's right. We're in the same phase, I mean, but for crypto. Yeah, you know, it's kind of weird because the, the bank 
never messes up. You know, it's always right. It's mm. always, I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. well, unless there's a hack or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Now, yeah so. now, do you think, um, hypothetical, if you didn't, maybe Ethereum also brushed by you like Bitcoin did, like you're interested, but you never got into it. What would you be doing today? What would you be, what would your life look like? I'd be writing. Writing? Writing, yeah, definitely. Man, I want to read some of your novels. No, trust me. No. <laughs> I'm not <It's>, much. <laughs> I truly not. <laughs> All right, I'll keep it, it free. Like, I was, I was, uh, we were in this, I did this one novel class in, in uh, my master's program. Mm-hmm. We had to write a novel in six, in like 12 weeks. We had 12 weeks to write a full novel. And I got to the point in my writing where it was so ridiculously bad that I couldn't write another word. And I was just sitting there laughing out loud at how I had like trapped myself in a plot twist. I was just like, never <laughs> going to resign. It was just so ridiculous. You back yourself into a corner and see if you can get out of it. But then it was really interesting because then I took, I just accidentally took a poetry class and I just loved it like immediately because I didn't have to think of what the people were going to be doing next. Yeah, that's true. Because you have to constantly, like my one novel, I realized that my characters were walking around town in every chapter. (laughs) And then I I got bored with that. So then they they got got bicycles and they were riding bikes around. (laughs) (laughs) You just keep them moving. That's all that matters. Yeah, and then... They went on a boat for a little while. <laughs> so, yeah, I just, I wasn't a novelist. <laughs> well, it's good that you try because, yeah, I definitely am lacking that skill set. And I'm trying my best to write some, at least, like, articles yeah. online to help out with that. But, yeah. So, yeah. <sighs> but I, I would write, probably. Nice. I love doing that. Hey, maybe you can write something. Yeah, like, maybe. There's some, like, great crypto books, too. Like, uh, the Cryptopians just came out. and Yeah, that was good, yeah. I enjoyed Digital Gold a lot. That's like real life historic novel almost. It was nice. Right. Now, for my uh, last questions I wanted to ask you is, what is your favorite wholesome crypto moment? Something that warmed you up that happened in the crypto space? Made you smile. I don't know. I guess we, we got a grant from the Ethereum Foundation back in 2018. Nice. Um, and soon after we got the grant was um, Osaka, um, um, DevCon 4 or something like that. Maybe five. I can't remember. Um, but they had a dinner for uh, the grantees and we met like 30 people that had all just gotten a grant from the, so it was really a great night. And we just, we met Nick Fett there. Nice. He got a grant the same time we did. Um, and it was just really made a lot of really nice friends through that grant program. That was great. That's amazing. I love the community yeah. of Ethereum so much. No, it's amazing, you know, and it, I think it stems from like something about Vitalik. Like he never, I've never seen him kind of be cross or be angry or, you know, maybe he is or isn't, I have no clue, but he doesn't come across that way at all. He always kind of tries to navigate a path that he stays above the fray kind of, you know, mm-hmm. I think that's great. That, that was another thing when I first joined the community, every single person was so nice, welcoming, you know, wanting to work together, yeah. open, you know, excited, everything. Yeah, they're they're like, you know, working on the path that they want to see the future in. Exactly, an open, decentralized community for the world. That's right. And at that time, uh, Bitcoin was kind of, everybody was screaming at each other in Bitcoin. So it was pretty drastic difference between the two. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that's the thing too. Ethereum allows you to continue to use Ethereum, but also go off with your own ideas if you wanted to with all those different projects and different side chains or coins built on top of Ethereum. So it's like, yeah, you might like, you might, uh, you're kind of like free to do whatever you want on the Ethereum ecospace. So you still would use it and continue with your own idea where, where Bitcoin's kind of like, you're kind of stuck. Yeah. Right. Oh. Yeah, the community's great. I love that. Mm-hmm. Are you um, traveling this coming up? Or? No, I went to East Denver, but yeah. other than that, I'm not seeing much of it after that. But well, hope so. To anyone who's listening, I'll be in Amsterdam, and maybe we'll meet up there. Find me in Amsterdam. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, man, I wish I could go, but fortunately, I can't. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much, Jay. I you know, I really appreciate your time here today. Thank you so much for sharing your story great learning about you you've been in the space for so long so it's so great to hear everything that you know great. and really you know what you're building with true blocks i'm excited to see it grow i'm excited to see it become more of a standard for everybody else thanks thank you so much see you everyone thanks for taking the time